and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror films directed by women, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the loveliest lady in all of the Pacific Northwest, the one and only Ariel. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah, anything fun and exciting with your... your creepy old neighbors <laughs> no i just love a creepy old neighbors update is the how is the war does it continue so i feel like they won't stop moving furniture that's the new thing is yesterday and today it just sounds like there's like you know when you run like a table or a couch you're like trying to move it across a wooden floor and it makes that like squeaky bumpy sound oh man it's like that all the time and i, I like feel escalating. like escalating yeah, and then they cleaned off their patio. Their um, sorry, their like deck that's above my patio because I'm on the first floor and they're on Is the second floor. Is it just like floor. a shower of dildos coming? <laughs> <laughs> no, just like a shower of grossness, like all down my windows. And I have to clean my windows because you can't see out them anymore. Oh I don't my know what God. it is. What is happening up there? <laughs> it's like the end of society or something. Yeah, you've seen that, right? No. Oh, wait, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the shunting. I thought you were saying, like, society, not... Like, movies. actual society. Yeah. I thought I was thinking, like, a philosophical commentary right. as opposed to just <laughs> schlocky horror movie where, like, a bunch of people turn into a sex blob. Right. Well, I appreciate you giving me the benefit of the doubt, but once again, I've proved that you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, do we have any housekeeping? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. All right, cool. So on this episode, we are going to be talking about the movie The Lodge, directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. But before we get into that, can you do me a solid and remind our listeners of our spoiler policy? Yeah, so we spoil everything. Twists, endings, all of it. So if you haven't seen The Lodge yet and that kind of stuff bothers you, right. hop over to Hulu, watch it, and then come back. Ariel, what, what made you decide uh, to pick The Lodge? Um, I had heard good, interesting things about it. I just, I like isolation horror a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I was drawn to it for that reason. Also, I have a stepmother of my own. And so I'm always curious when a plot revolves around that, like what oh. it's going to be like. Did so you feel like very autobiographical? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you have like a delightful stepmother. <laughs> I do. She is an absolute saint. Yeah. So tell me about this movie. Okay. So... Veronica Franz is from Vienna, Austria, and before she started her career in film, she was actually a German a journalist with the German newspaper Courier. I don't know if that's actually how you say that, but we'll go with that. She never went to film school, but she went on to co-write several films with her husband, who's a director, and she... Uh, co-wrote all of three of his films in his Paradise trilogy, which have won a bunch of awards and I guess are pretty famous. So then after she was working with her husband, she moved on to making films with her filmmaking partner, Severin Fiala, who's actually her nephew, hmm. um, which I didn't know before this. That I they didn't were either. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because most filmmaking duos that you hear about are either like husband and wife or siblings. I've right. never heard of like a nephew aunt. Yeah. Before. Does this give you hope for you and your nephew <laughs> to see your your next phase of your career? That would be amazing, <laughs> except right now he's watching nothing but anime. So, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when Severin was growing up, um, Veronica Franz would actually, and her husband would hire him as a babysitter for their kids. And instead of paying him in cash, they would pay him in video rentals. So apparently oh. he was growing up in a very small town that had like just like one video store. And he'd rented and seen, like, every movie in this tiny video store. Wow. Um, they lived in a bigger city, Vienna, and had access to a lot more. So she would rent him, like, a dozen movies, and he would stay the weekend babysitting and then just, like, burn through all of these movies. And she started staying up with him at night to watch movies together, and they discovered that they had this, like, shared love for horror and art house film, and that kind of started everything. And then he went off to film school, and once he got done... They started making films together. Apparently, Veronica Franz met this Austrian actor named Peter Kern, who I guess she says is like a weirdo okay. <laughs> at a film festival, <laughs> and decided to make a documentary about him. So she spent the next two years just like following him everywhere she went. And then um, Franz and Fiala made the documentary together about him. And then after that, they co-wrote and directed the movie they're most famous for, their breakout hit, Goodnight Mommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then after that, they wrote and directed a segment in the anthology horror film, The Field Guide to Evil. I just watched that today. It's interesting. If you're interested in watching it at all, it's on Hulu and theirs is the very first segment. So it's super easy to find. Nice. It's essentially about like this young woman in a small village in the past. And there's another young woman who people kind of slut shame and she's maybe gotten pregnant from somebody she's not married to. And her mother tells her to like stay away from her because if you do, then this like evil entity will come to um, enact revenge against your sins, basically. She doesn't listen and has like a passionate love affair with this woman. <laughs> and then creepy stuff starts happening. Ooh. So, I mean, it sounds kind of good. Yeah, it was. it's interesting. Um, I didn't love all of it, but it is interesting. And the, the entity, like the, the monster in it, is really interesting looking. Like, it's a cool-looking um, creature. So I would recommend watching it just for that. And it's pretty short, too, so it's not like you're devoting a ton of time to it. I will say that there's a scene with a goat that gave me flashbacks to Hagazusa, which still nobody has watched, so I can't talk to anybody oh, about it. And no. the images are just living in my brain. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, so other than that weird goat scene, though, I think it's worth watching or checking out. Okay. And that film is like eight segments from different directors, each one from a different country. And it's all about, like, all the stories are based on folklore, like local hmm. folklore. So that's that kind of interesting. Cool. Yeah. So I think at some point I'll watch the whole thing, see what it's like. So after the success of Goodnight Mommy, they started getting sent just tons of scripts. And for some reason, they said everybody thought they wanted to make more movies about evil twins. Oh, God. So, like, a ton of them were just, like, really shitty scripts from the U.S. about evil twins. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. And then they finally got sent an untitled Hammer thriller, which became The Lodge. Um, They really liked the script. But it had, I guess they said in the original iteration, it had a lot of, like, fun dialogue in it. And so they worked with the writer to remove all the fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is not movie. This is not no. a fun movie. No. And then they changed the ending, too. So they're listed. Oh. They're credited with writing the script as well. I would be so curious to know what the original right? script was like. Yeah, I kind of ran out of time researching to be able to find if they ever talked about what the original ending was. But I'd be super curious, too. I thought this was interesting. Just a quote really quick from Veronica Franz about why they like horror. So she said, this was to the Daily Dead website, she said, "Um, actually, we think horror film is such a great opportunity to tell something about us, about society, about fears we have, about traumas maybe, or problems over the very suspenseful or a film full of tension. You can do that and people will still watch it. Which again, we keep hearing directors say that, and it's something we talk about so much that you can. We talk do. about it all the time about how yeah. like horror is such a vehicle for talking about deep things without yep. turning people off. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, God, having you have not seen Goodnight Mommy, but I feel like the stuff they are very interested in talking about is mistrust between mother and child. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I like, read like you know the, the premise. Of of Goodnight I know the Mommy? premise. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. it is. yeah i wanted to watch it i ran out of time i watched like the first 10 minutes of it and then just kind of like couldn't finish the rest had some other stuff going on but i want to watch it at some point except that i keep getting told that it's like super grim so it is i mean like i like i said to you and you asked if i thought you should watch it i think it's worth a, a a watch some people i think like when we get into the lodge we'll talk about how this is a movie that is People are either going to like it or they're not. Right. Like, there's not going to be any lukewarm feelings about this. You're either going to be into it or you're not going to be into it. And I think that that's very true of Goodnight Mommy, too. And, like, a lot of it has to do with your tolerance for things that are just really bleak. Yeah. Um, And this is a good test. Like, if you – I don't know. I We haven't talked about how we feel about this movie yet. So I actually don't know if you liked it or not. But depending Mm -hmm. on how you feel about this movie, I would feel, like – whether or not Goodnight Mommy would be something you'd want to spend your time doing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) gotcha. (laughs) Okay, so um, since they've made The Lodge, they're now working on a art house horror movie that's you'll like this it's a period piece Ooh, i do love a period piece yeah it's about like murder depression suicide religion yeah this sounds like something they would make yeah it does (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i don't know if you're hearing that but my neighbors are moving furniture again like right above my head no they're moving the sex (laughs) swing 
<laughs> That's what it is. Just a sex oh swing getting like bounced across the room. Rachel. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 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 Uh, <laughs> um, so this uh, period piece movie is called The Devil's Bath. And they haven't started filming it yet, but they're working on it. And then they're also writing a horror script for Universal about refugees on a container ship called The Fortress. And uh, apparently the two of them spent two weeks on a container ship writing this script to prepare because they wanted to know like kind of the layout of a ship but also like what it would feel like to be stuck on one and i guess they didn't get enough of it because they planned to do a trip from like the uk to america on a container ship to see what that's like like if you have any question that these two just love a grim (laughs) right experience (laughs) just like really want to immerse themselves in it yes yeah <laughs> what? Oh, man. I mean, I'm gonna watch that movie though. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Their efforts are not in vain. <laughs> yeah, but that's a lot of dedication to something yeah. so grim. I mean, you're not actors going method, but you don't not typically hear about yeah, yeah, <laughs> directors and writers going method. Yeah, it'll be. I'll be super curious to see what it turns out to be. Yeah. Okay, so um, as for making The Lodge, it was filmed outside Montreal in a real lodge. So the building that we see in the movie is an actual lodge that they filmed it in. And apparently it was freezing cold and snowing the entire time that they were there. So it really was that cold. So the directors had Jaden Martell and uh, Leah McHugh, um, the two kids in the movie, They wanted them to have like really good chemistry together. So before they started filming, they took time to have them spend time together. They took them ice skating and rock climbing, but they were specifically kept away from the other star, Riley Keough, who was, who plays their step, you know, their future stepmother Mm -hmm. um, until they started filming because they, you know, wanted them to not have any kind of bond with her. Which right. I think is, it's really smart because so much of the film is about those relationships. I wonder if some of, do, I don't, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, mm-hmm. but do you, is that also why their names are so similar to their real names? Oh, interesting. So they're Mia and Aiden and the actors' names are Leah and Jaden. Oh, I didn't even see that. Good catch. And then the dad's name is Richard and the right. actor's name is Richard. The only person whose name is different. Is, I guess yeah. is Alicia Silverstone is Laura. And right. Riley Keough is Grace, but still. Yeah, that is interesting. I wonder if that was intentional. I have no idea. I mean, it's, it feels intentional. Yeah. I mean, it would be kind of odd, I guess, if it wasn't. Right? Okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know if I was stealing your thunder on that one. No, you were not. Like, That's now, all you. Now, it feels like something that these, like, container ship uh, visiting. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, uh, I can see them being like, this seems like something that will... Uh, Blend verisimilitude. <laughs> yeah. During filming, apparently they stayed in an empty hotel on a golf resort. And nobody was there because it was in the middle of winter. So they were like literally the only people there. And uh, the young actress, I think it was, said that they lived on like soup and like lettuce because the uh, the kitchen, like the restaurant for the resort was shut down. So the people who worked there were just like bringing them like whatever they had. Um, (laughs) but the kids talked about how much fun they had like all of them had together even though they were kind of stranded Uh in the snow so the two directors they really like everything to be as real as possible so they wanted to find a house that was actually isolated I guess when they were making it they kept getting shown properties that had like a street next to it or another house close by and they kept getting told like well you can film it in a way that it looks isolated and they were like we don't care we want a house that's actually isolated because they thought the actors would give better performances that way they shot the whole film in sequence which is obviously unusual films aren't usually filmed that way yeah because they wanted they felt like riley kehoe um, her character's journey through the movie was like the most important part and that it would be like easier and more authentic if she got to build on that throughout the movie and sort of see where it led her and in the end instead of maybe starting with a final scene and then working backwards wow that's yeah. really interesting and i think it shows yeah yeah it definitely does like it i mean, I mean sounds like they put it all 
they really kind of want to immerse their actors in like almost like they want to drop them into a world. Mm-hmm. And I think with the, the way that they're doing the setting and stuff and, and then also with the sequence shooting, say what you will, the performances definitely show that effort has, was made. Yeah. Well, they even said in, I think, yeah, I read an interview in Anthem magazine and they said that they really want to affect the audience, like to have a profound effect on the people that are watching it and that they were kind of bragging and being like, we're very proud of the fact that I guess when Goodnight Mommy was showing in theaters, there were three cases of people fainting in the movie theater. Yeah. And that is something that they kind of like wear as a badge of honor because they really want to make people feel it, you know? Hmm. I mean, there um, is definitely a scene that made me feel very squeamish in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then the last thing, uh, I didn't know before watching this movie, but they really love the Hitchcock film, Rebecca. Mm. And they wanted to um, kind of echo that in the movie. So they intentionally shot most of the scenes either from above or below because they wanted it to feel like somebody was watching the people in the house and that you could feel like maybe it was the mother. Yeah, I could totally see that. Because I wondered, I wondered throughout the movie if the mom was actually there. Mm-hmm. So it worked. It definitely yeah. worked. Because I, I kept going like, well, why was the daughter saying, oh, she's definitely didn't go to he- heaven? I was like, mm-hmm. is that one of those things where it you can interpret it as like because she committed suicide or does it actually mean something else that we're going right. to find out? So the whole time I kept waiting for the mom to actually be a ghost in the house. Yeah, especially with with how much her presence is felt in that lodge. I mean, yeah. she is kind of the ghost in the house. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that is so interesting. See, this is my I, with you. This is my favorite part. I think of the podcast is finding all of this out. Yeah, it's fascinating. All right, so that is pretty much all I've got for production and stuff. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, shall I get into the synopsis? Yeah, go for it. All right, cool. This is a weird... I had a little trouble writing the synopsis, so bear with me. Okay. Okay. So here's the synopsis. Two kids, Aiden and Mia, are forced to celebrate Christmas in a remote cabin with their uh, with their father, Richard, and their soon-to-be mother, Grace. And this is, all takes place on the heels of their mother's suicide as a result of learning that Richard planned to remarry. Richard met Grace, the soon-to-be stepmother, while researching his book on a Christian death cult. Needless to say, the kids are not excited about the holiday vacation, and there's (laughs) a lot of tension between them and Grace. And it escalates when Richard leaves them for a few days alone for them to get to know each other. On the one morning while he's gone, Grace wakes to discover that the power is out in the lodge and that all of their belongings and all the food in the fridge, everything is gone missing, including her psych meds. The kids then try to convince her that they're all dead. And then, (laughs) unfortunately, it works a little too well, which triggers her old traumas and religious beliefs, leading her to enact her her cult's ritual on the rest of the family. Yep. <laughs> Whoa. So it was, uh, yeah, I would say Disney Plus. <laughs> up. Nice family fun programming for everyone. Everyone has a good time. Yeah. That's a good synopsis. That's a Was hard that okay? I was yeah. like, I, I, the problem is, is this movie's so twisty turny mm-hmm. that, like, I found the synopsis, like, ballooning out of control. So I was like, right. Just it's like, do you like... really list every twist that happens? Or Right. Yeah. yeah. No, you hit all the main beats. That was good. <laughs> For what is ultimately kind of a simple film, I mean, there's very little dialogue in the movie. It's very much a mood piece, and yet there's still a lot of plot points. Yeah. 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 Very mm-hmm. true. Awesome. Okay, cool. So I guess that just time to dig into the review, right? Yeah. Let's start with things that you liked about the movie. One of the biggest pros is I, I really love how this movie is shot. Like they said, there are all of these interesting shots from above where it's like you're twisting on the staircase and stuff Mm. that are really interesting. There are points where the camera focuses like really up close on things. For instance, in like one of the very first scenes in the movie where Alicia Silverstone's character is talking to the dad um, and he drops like Alka-Seltzer in a like in a glass of water. Mm -hmm. And then the camera focuses on the bubbles like in the Uh Alka-Seltzer. Which I thought was just, it was really pretty and and interesting. And then when they, when she has, I'm sorry, when, what's Riley Keough's character's name? Grace. Yeah. So when Grace is having a dream of her dad and he pulls her like underwater under the ice. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
So I thought that scene was amazing. And it's shot so beautifully with like the bubbles and the water and her dad pulling her down and like the angle of it's really great. Yeah. So I think in general, the way it's filmed, the lighting, everything gives so much like atmosphere and mood to the whole movie. I also think that the dad, uh, we can get into this more as we start talking. Dad of the year. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> dad of the year. Yeah. So. Well, which dad? Are you talking about uh, Richard? Oh, or... Richard. Yeah, the kid's yeah, dad. Yeah, dad of the year. <laughs> Here's yeah. my kids. Be alone with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. As irresponsible and like delusional as he is, I do think there's a lot of realism there, sadly. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Parents don't always deal with this stuff as well as they maybe should you know right so yeah so all of that was good I even think the conversations between him and the kids make a lot of sense that there's some like weird distance between them mm-hmm. I was not expecting the suicide I thought <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh Alicia Silverstone she'll be here for the run oh <laughs> never mind she had one scene <laughs> yeah yeah I thought that they were going to go off to this place, but like she was still going to be alive in the background and we were going to maybe see stuff of her or that, you know, she was going to die at some point, possibly. I did not expect it to happen the way it does. I mean, it's like, it's so quick. Yeah. Like, it's just the beats of it. He says, I'm, you know, we got to get a divorce because I'm marrying this young woman. And she goes home, drinks a glass of wine, takes off her necklace, and then doesn't just commit suicide, but I mean, blows her head off with a gun, really. Yeah. Like, it's it's an intense scene. If you're bothered by things like this, skip that scene. Yeah. Um, it shocked me. Cause I really did think that Alicia Silverstone wouldn't just be in it for like, you know, two minutes. That's the genius Maybe. of that casting. Yeah. For two reasons. One, she looks like an older version of Riley Keough. True. And you're just like, okay, so Richard has a type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then two, yeah, you think it's, it's like the Drew Barrymore effect, right? Like right. You assume that the, there's a reason they brought in a seasoned actor. She's going to stick around for a bit. Uh, not the case. Right. With that, which then also sort of like plays with your expectations throughout the whole movie. You know, yeah. like, well, who else can die if they can kill off Alicia Silverstone? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that a lot of the emotion in this movie felt really real to me. That scene where after the mother's killed herself, the daughter is in her bed just oh sobbing God. that her mother can't go to heaven and feeling like her dad just isn't getting what she's saying. I mean, that just broke my heart. I was crying. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I literally cried. Yeah. I mean, that little actress did a really good job with that scene. I totally bought every second of it. So there's a lot of really cool imagery in this movie too. There's a scene where I can't remember if she wakes up or if she just comes into the room where Grace like walks over to the window and sees in the snow, just like dozens of snow angels. Yeah. That is chilling. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you, mm-hmm. you don't know what's happening at that point. And it's disturbing because it's at that, you kind of realize then, like, it's not just things disappearing. Like, real stuff is, is happening and you have no or idea. Or you can't trust it because she could be an unreliable exactly. narrator. Yep. This movie does do, does a good job of making, of misdirection. Yeah, it totally does. And she's having so many, like, wild dreams and sleepwalking. And you know that she's not taking her medication. And, like, how is that affecting the way that she's seeing things or feeling things? It all just kind of, you don't ever know what to expect because of it. Oh, also, there's the picture on the wall of, I think it's the Virgin Mary? It's some, yeah. Something. Some Some religious iconography. iconography. Yeah. On the wall. And the camera, like, catches it all the time and it feels like it's watching her right Mm -hmm. watching grace's character i think they did that too is kind of like an it felt to me like a nod to rebecca also because in rebecca there's that painting of the mother Mm -hmm. um like the dead wife who um is on the wall and like always watching over the new wife oh i also love the cross-shaped house yes that was in my notes as well i love that and that like her father is inside yes so did you know, I don't know when you were looking at the cast, did you note that the, her father in the movie is played by her real life father? I did see that. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's really interesting. But yeah, I, I loved that part that it was like this, you know, she's kind of lost in the, in the snow mm-hmm. and she thinks she's found refuge, but really it's just like she stumbled upon the size of a house, size trauma 
waiting for her. There is no escape. The only thing that looks like it might be a bit of refuge is just this giant cross with the ghost of her father inside. Yeah, it's it's such a good, good scene because going out there in the snow, it's like she has no jacket. She has no real supplies with her. She's got a blanket around her and she walks out into the middle of nowhere. And like a wolf belt. Yeah. (laughs) Ridiculous. And so she's freezing cold and already like the reason she's even making this trip to begin with is because she's so desperate for help, right? That she's willing to like leave these children behind and exit stage left and like go on this journey. But if you've ever been out in the snow somewhere where there's not anything around you, it can be a really scary experience because you get like they call it like snow blind where you just see white everywhere so I thought that was done so well and so effectively and like her reactions to everything are really great her emotions throughout the whole thing I thought were were interesting we can talk more about her relationship between her and the kids because I think well we could talk about it now yeah I think (laughs) I think that her relationship between like with her and the kids is it's interesting and it's it's well done and it it plays with what you know and think is going to happen because she's she really isn't doing a very good job. I mean, I think she wants to try. Right. But does she have there, the tools? But I don't think she has any of the tools and yeah. the, the father set her up for failure. First of all, their mother, yeah. it jumps forward six months. It's been six months, not just since their mother died of an illness or old age or something, but like of a sudden violent death. It's only been six months, and now instead of, I don't know, having her over for dinner every once in a while and then going out and doing things with her and, like, building up to this slowly, he's like, let's just drop you in the middle of nowhere and force you to spend, like, two or three days just you guys. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to get to know each other. I mean, that's insane and so stupid. Oh, as I said at the beginning, I have a stepmother myself. My dad uh, got remarried when I was six to my stepmother, who like I said, is amazing. I mean, I totally lucked out in two ways. One, I was really young. I think it's a lot easier. Um, there aren't so many like resentments right? when you're that little. And so it's easier to like be open to a new, a new adult coming into your life. And then second, because she's just a wonderful person. <laughs> so I really grew up with three parents, like honestly. But my mom got remarried when I was 10. So she was married again from the ages of 10 to 16 for me. And um, that one was a lot harder. Oh, one right. because what's that i didn't know that yeah she re- remarried a woman when i was 10 i mean not legally married because the world sucked but you know yeah. married unfortunately the world's much better now We've yeah moved on. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and and i was still a lot you know i was still significantly younger than these kids who were like i think pre-teenage and then teenager but it definitely was a lot harder It was a much harder transition to having this new person in my life. My mom also, my mom is a a wonderful person and I love her to death, but it was kind of a similar situation where it was just kind of like we met this woman a couple times and now she's living with us Mm -hmm. and you guys are together. So it was a a harder transition. And so I, I felt a lot of sympathy for the kids going through this because I know, you know, how challenging that can be. And I think, if I had been older and been like a sullen teenager at that point, yeah, it would have been an even harder experience. It's like, I think that, I think all of that is pretty realistic because that stuff happens all the time. And she, but she isn't prepared for it. I mean, the dad doesn't set her up for success at all. No. She doesn't seem like she really knows anything about them or their life. Even things like she wears the mom's hat accidentally. Yeah. Or... She doesn't know that they pray before dinner. All these things that, like, he could have, like, alerted to her to before right. they're or, spending. Or, like, eased her in. So she yes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the big thing, right? The just... big thing is that he just throws them in and expects them to just, like, sink or swim. You know? Yeah. And sink they do. Yes, they do. Um, <laughs> and throughout the movie, she's not doing a great job. And we, I mean, we listen, we learn later that the kids are, are not great. They're not making it any easier. (laughs) They're not making anything easy for her. But when you're watching it, like before you know that, there are a couple instances which I think felt very realistic, but are also made me think like, what the fuck are you doing? For instance, there's a scene where Grace is sort of bonding with the little girl, uh, Mia, for the first time. Uh And the little girl wants to show her 
the gift that they made for their dad for Christmas. And it's a collection of like home videos, which of course the mom features prominently in. Right. And, you know, we know later that she liked, like the daughter probably did that on purpose to push some buttons, but that also could very easily just have been an innocent thing on the kid's part. Right. And her response, instead of watching it and being, you know, maybe a little, that's hard to watch your future husband in this loving family relationship with his former wife, that could be painful, but instead of just like swallowing that and being there for the kid, she just like walks off. Yeah. You know, um, when things start happening, like things disappearing at that point, we don't know that the kids are doing any of this. Um, and she is so confrontational and so angry about everything. Yeah. Um, that that was, again, I think I can see somebody being that way. It's not like it's unrealistic. It was just hard to, it's hard. It was hard to watch. Right. Because she's just so, you know. Well, she's so fragile. Yeah, she really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then even when she thinks she's wrong, like, for instance, there's a scene where she hears the little girl talking, and it sounds like she's talking on the phone, and all the phones supposedly are dead because they've been without power for so long now. And so she runs in the room angry at the little girl, like, how could you have a phone and not tell us, and, you know, how dare you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the little girl shows her that her phone is dead. She was just pretending to talk on the phone. Again, we know later <laughs> that that's yeah. not, in fact, true. Um, but at the time, she thinks she was wrong, but she doesn't apologize. She just walks away. Right. Just, like, leaves the interaction with this, like, big confrontation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the thing is that she's so fragile, but the way that it presents itself is just, like, she's so brittle. Yeah. She's willing to put in the effort, but, like, when it is not reciprocated, she can't take it, ironically, with grace. She kind of lashes out and there's a nastiness to her, but it's not, uh, the thing is, is that I think this is true across the board with the characters is it's not, it doesn't feel unrealistic. It feels just like natural human flaw. Yep. You can identify with and vilify just about any character in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. You really can. Even when they're doing bad things, like they're, you can understand why and you can see the hurt that it's born from, especially in the case of the kids where they, they actually believe that race is responsible for what happened to their mother. Mm-hmm. Because when we see that video of them all together, you see that they have not been separated for that long. No, they look like very close to the same ages. Like yeah. their parents have not been separated very long at all before he already falls in love and announces he's marrying somebody else. And right. you, it also makes it more understandable why the mom had the reaction she had. I mean, if it really was that quick. Yeah, it's like he was researching his book and fell in love with her. Right. And then broke up his marriage. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah, and if I was a kid that age, I can imagine being extremely resentful and really angry. Absolutely. And there's a great line where she's like, what is your problem? And the kid's just like, hormones? (laughs) Yeah, that was true. (laughs) He just deadpans at hormones. I wonder if that's some of the fun dialogue that didn't get excised. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was a good line. Because that was actually a pretty great line. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. Anything else positive? I know that not everybody likes bleak movies, but I sometimes do. I mean, I'm not always in the mood for that, um, but this movie does bleak really well. Visually, the plot, the characters, all of it is pretty bleak, but I still really enjoyed a lot of this movie. Yeah, I agree. The performances across the board, I think, were stellar Mm -hmm. to a person. Um, Each of the characters brought something very unique to their performance, whether it was Alicia Silverstone with her sort of like chipper, okay, and then turning around and committing suicide was subtle in that it like there was a resoluteness to it that you could tell she was upset, but at the same time, there was no changing her mind at that point. Yeah, the decision had been made. Yes, yeah. and th- there was a lot of subtle work even just in the beginning where she's like putting on the lipstick and starts mm-hmm. crying and then trying to put on a brave face for her kids, but her kids can intuit that mom is not okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that that was hard. It was really watch. hard. Then we talked about the amazing performance by the little girl where she's going through the grief. Like, it is, it is incredible acting. I don't even know how you get a performance out of a kid like this, but it felt so real. From the way that she, the despair when she cried to the way she was like frustrated and pushed her father away, mm-hmm. all that. And then the performance of the son, who is kind of of them, he's sort of the ringleader and he's the most angry. And like you said, he does have the hormones are definitely a factor. <laughs> but then there's also like a kindness and a sweetness and a brotherliness yeah. to him, his performance that feels 
very yeah, real. Yeah, when he goes to sleep on her floor after she's been crying and they like he like falls asleep with her holding his hand, that was that was touching. There's like a a level of sophistication and intelligence to everything yeah. that that kid does. I mean, he was great in it as well. Mm-hmm. But in this there, you know, he doesn't it's a like more he, nuanced performance. Well, there's no there's no archetype for the character that he's playing in this. Like yeah. it, there's a humanness to it as opposed to like a hero, you know? Yeah. And I think he really delivers on that. And then of course, Riley Keough. Good god. Her performance as she is just like falling apart and just hanging onto her sanity before she just fully gives in. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see The Girlfriend Experience? Series. I didn't know. She is the main character in the first season and she's great in it. And what she does is these like extremely restrained performances. I would compare her to someone like Kristen Stewart, who I love, but mm-hmm. like is a little flat in her affect, right? Yeah. Whereas it's something, I don't know, maybe it's just the eyes or whatever it is. There always feels like there's something simmering underneath of her, like this very placid front that she puts on in her roles where you can sense that the, like still waters run deep. And there's almost like a mystery to the way that she performs. I don't know. And it, it lends itself perfectly to this role where there's like, she has so much internal turmoil while trying to pretend both for her partner and then for the kids that there isn't. And it's just right there below the surface. Yeah. Her so, performance is phenomenal. Even scenes where she's been sleepwalking, mm-hmm. you know, there's one where she's sleepwalked into the kid's room holding a gun. Ugh. Um, and her dead eyes yeah. as they're trying to wake her up. I mean, that was upsetting and unnerving. Mm-hmm. And she does that so well. Because I think, I don't know, it would be easy to say, like, there's not much going on there. She's just standing there. But it felt like there was a lot going on there to me. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to kind of keep that air of mystery and that mm-hmm. still waters run d- deep, make the transition from when she goes from kind of, placid to crazy um it feels it feels like a natural progression and like there's an inevitability to it yeah because she was just barely hanging on to begin with that makes it very effective and it it adds to the tension because you can feel that this person is on the edge for a long time before she finally actually snaps but it's a growing tension and i mean this movie I wouldn't say it's full of scares per se, but it has a unrelenting mood of really, unease yeah. and just total bleakness. And I kind of like to see it almost like it's almost a little bit of a dark fairy tale where you mm. have like the, the children trapped in the house with the evil stepmother. Yeah, that's true. Lost in the woods, essentially. But in this case, like it's not kids coming to eat the gingerbread house. Like it's kids that are like actually trying to break her mind a little bit, even though they mm-hmm. don't understand at all what the consequences really could be because they're kids. And like as kids, you have a certain degree of immortality, you know, immortality. You yeah. don't really think even even with the loss of their mom, like I don't think they had any idea what the stakes were. No, absolutely not. I mean, one of the things that I'll get into later, maybe when we talk about cons, is the dog part of it. Um, But you could tell when the little girl realized that the dog was dead that she had made a terrible mistake, you know, that this was a much bigger thing than she thought it was. And when the two of them are hiding up in the attic, too, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't the boy didn't think it was going to go this far either. That this would she be her reaction. should have in the damn corner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know that doesn't matter, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, it, the the stuff with the, the dog was rough. Yeah. It was rough, rough, rough. Oh, I didn't. That was a pun that I didn't mean. (laughs) (laughs) Unintentional pun time. (laughs) But yeah, I think honestly, for me, the pros and the cons are this one and the same. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's a question of whether or not you like it. So I'm going to kind of move into my cons, which are this movie is not for everyone. And whether or not this movie is going to work for you is whether is really going to come down to how much mileage something that is like so grim and so unrelentingly bleak without a modicum of hope (laughs) like how much mileage that's going to have with you is that the kind of movie where you're just kind of like this is just you know casual cruelty and 
people being nasty to each other for two hours is not entertaining to me? Or is can you enjoy sort of the darkness and the mood of the movie? And if you can, I think you're going to have a, not a great time, but you're going to get a lot of enjoyment and appreciation out of this movie. However, if you're not, this is going to be a really tough watch because it is it is like deeply nihilistic. Like it's all casual cruelty from every direction. Like it goes into religious fundamentalism and superstition. And it's, it's not an easy watch. You know, it has, and this is something that I noticed with their previous movie as well. Mm -hmm. Like it has the same sort of detached, brutal quality of good night, mommy. Whereas the one thing I will say in this movie is that in the good night, mommy, the kids are almost like alien. They're so just, removed from any emotionality they're just cruel i mean it's a little more complex than that but these kids seem to have at least some emotions and like they had really strong emotions and the the reasons behind their actions are super clear to the audience you know and the relationship that the two of them have together Mm -hmm. gives you somewhere to latch onto and have stakes in terms of being having some care for these characters and the true is uh, it's true of riley q as well like she's someone that's like clearly has like a traumatic past you don't get the sense is a bad person you know she's a broken person but she's not a bad person and so i don't know that you have it's it's almost good night mommy is almost so clinical that you it's just it's just bleak whereas this kind of has a little bit more to, to grab a hold of and so I think depending on, like I said, the mileage you get out of that is going to totally determine how you feel about this movie. It has similarities to Hereditary, only there's no supernatural fun in mm-hmm. it. Like it's just messed up family dynamics until the bitter, bitter end. <laughs> yeah, because with Hereditary, it's it's a brutal, emotionally brutal that movie. Kid, that dinner table scene haunts me to this yeah. day. Yep, me too. But you're right, the supernatural stuff kind of allows the other stuff to breathe a little bit yes whereas this Um, has none of that that. yeah yeah it's a movie about hopelessness and yeah you know maybe right now is not the moment (laughs) i personally i'm gonna say i liked this movie i know it doesn't sound like it but the way i'm describing it i just want to be honest about what you're getting yourself into the only hope that you have in this movie is not anything that the movie presents it's just what formula dictates like you're like okay surely this is going to work out a particular way because movie formula dictates that there is plot armor for Mm -hmm. these characters that is not necessarily true. No. <laughs> no. And you don't even get like a, a decent, say, 20 minutes at the start before the bleakness comes in. Oh, no, 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 no. Punches you in the gut right away. Yeah. it's It can be grueling to watch something like that. But at the same time, the performances are so compelling and yeah. there is an element of mystery. And those two things, I think, are the saving grace for what would otherwise just be so bleak. I mean, this movie looks incredible. It really like, does. You can feel the temperature of this movie. Like there is not enough snuggies in the world. To, right. Like take the chill off while watching this movie. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> um, an interesting thing uh, in one of the interviews I read, I'm blanking on where I read this now, but um, they were saying, the two directors were saying that making films in Austria is really different than in North America because they're all state funded um, and none of them make money. Like that's not the goal. It's just like the state supporting the arts. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Which I thought was interesting, but they said it means that there aren't really like unions involved in any of it. And the production's a lot smaller. So that it was a difficult transition for them. One, because they had such a bigger budget and there was so much more sort of planning that went into it because there was such a much, so much of a bigger budget budget. God, I can't talk today. I obviously need more. (laughs) Don't we all sister. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was making breakfast. I was peeling some potatoes and I peeled my finger. That's what I'm like. need to (laughs) go to bed. No, I'm, I'm fine. It's just, that's, I I always know. Cause I'm like a clumsy, like, listen, I injure myself all the time. I'm a super clumsy person. I'm constantly covered in bruises, but (laughs) it gets so much worse when I don't sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. Um, what was I trying to say? 
Oh, um, so with the budget. And yeah, the so they had this much bigger budget, but they also had to deal with the union sort of dictating how actors and stunt people and stuff were treated that yeah. they weren't used to. And one of the things was it was like punishingly cold outside while they were filming, which they loved because it really, you know, made it an authentic experience for all of the actors. And they wanted that same thing inside. So the most of the movie takes place without any power oh where they're all God. freezing. And they wanted to lower the temperature in the lodge so that you could see them shivering and stuff. Oh my God. And they started doing that and they, then the they union came They are masochists, in. dude. And sadists. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And then the union came in and was like, no, you can't do that. Not yeah. allowed. And they, I guess they had a hard time understanding it because they were like, but you were fine with us filming all day out in the snow. How is it any different? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get the logic, but Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> But that's how dedicated they are to authentic experiences. I honestly yeah. don't think they needed to do that because I felt the cold, like you were oh, saying. Yeah. In that house, it felt like they were genuinely freezing. See, and it's just them versus the elements. Oh, that is my nightmare. I yeah. used to go up to a cabin on the weekends, and mm -hmm. I remember one time we went up there and realized that there was no firewood. No, oh, no. And we were, like, sleeping right in front of the stove and just, like, burning kindling, like, trying <laughs> to be warm. It was a nightmare. I can't even imagine days of this. No, I cannot either. Ooh, ooh. How about you? Do you have any cons for this? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I have a lot of similar notes to you in that, you know, like we've said, if you're not into the whole bleak thing, <laughs> maybe not a good idea. Yeah. Um, while watching this, I was even thinking about the Nightingale, which, you know. I have not seen yet, Damn. Right. At some point, we will cover yep. that. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it's going to take you picking it. I'm just going to, like, because... Yeah. Cause I'll get I, there. I'm like, do I watch Lego Masters, or do I watch some <laughs> bleak-ass, like, rape-revenge period film? Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. No, I totally get it. I, I won't do that to you right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> but the thing about The Nightingale, um, for anybody who's watched it, is that there is so much of that movie that is just terribly bleak, right? You've got this woman in this like untenable situation and then just terrible things continue to happen to her over and over and over again. And you watch bad things happen to other characters too and like the poor treatment of other people. Um, but at least for me when watching it, there was like a hopefulness at the end mm -hmm. just because the relationship that builds between two of the characters, the main woman and then the Aboriginal tracker guy is sweet and kind of heartwarming amongst all of this you know dread and intensity um and bleakness uh this movie doesn't have that <laughs> no, 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 no no okay so the other things were there is a motif throughout the movie of a dollhouse the little girl has this intricate dollhouse in her room back at home not at the lodge and has seems to have dolls that like represent each of the family members mm -hmm. she has this doll that she carries around that's always dressed like her mother the doll that's like her mother, I thought was really cool. I thought yeah. that was a cool moment to have this doll that like is wearing her mother's dress. The scene that she's wearing in the first scene, her doll has that dress. Her doll has the little red snow hat. Mm -hmm. But it kept focusing back on the dollhouse. And I don't think I always thought it needed it or yeah. was as interesting as maybe the way it was done in Hereditary, for instance. I also don't know that I totally understand some of the things that the filmmakers are trying to say there. For instance, the girl, ha the little girl has a jar full of like sea monkeys, like little shrimpies. And there's a little jar in the dollhouse. And the camera spends a lot of time focusing on that little jar of shrimp. I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe like metaphorically, they're kind of stuck in a jar in this house. But yeah. I don't know that I, I totally got what they were trying to say there. I also don't know that I totally understood the nosebleeds. Did you get that? Yeah, I don't, I didn't actually... I mean, I did see them, and I guess there really was no payoff, except for maybe just to show you that she's um, not well. Or something? Like even on, like even on the surface, when she seems she's okay, like she's actually yeah. like there's something there's uh, there's a lot of tension, anxiety below the surface that's like manifesting itself. Yeah. Um. So maybe those are just sort of like warning signs, those or should have been interpreted as warning signs that like maybe she's not as strong mm -hmm. as she seems at uh, at first glance. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then my other, I think my only other real con would be the dog. The unnecessary cruelty of the murdering <laughs> of the dog. <laughs> yeah. So that's a Maltese. Oh, I have one. No. <laughs> I grew up with another one. 
that was hard. But one of the things that I thought was weird about it is that they bring this dog in and then the dog just stays in that dog bed. Like the whole movie, nobody interacts with it. Not even the girl who says she likes dogs. Like there's nobody petting the dog. The dog's not in her lap once in a while or laying at their feet. Like it's just in this dog bed and nobody ever interacts with it really until it's frozen solid and dead. Right, right. And then everybody like cares about this dog. So I, I thought that, I just thought if the, that the dog should have been with her more or something, mm-hmm. um, if it was really kind of this emotional support, I just thought it was odd to just have it like sitting in another room in a dog bed throughout the whole movie. Also, man, do they focus on that dead dog a lot. Yeah. Well, get ready for Good Night, Mommy. <laughs> oh, right, because there's like a cat thing in yeah. that one, isn't there? It's a cat, like an aquarium for like the whole movie. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> they love a dead pet, uh, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand why they had the dog die. It's like, it, it's another instance of the kids making these decisions because they're hurt and angry and not recognizing exactly what they're doing and the consequences of their actions, you know? And also it's the, it's what, it's something she always wanted growing up and it's what she got herself when she was, got free. And it was the last sort of like concrete example of how she was able to escape her past. And so to have that taken away from her was like basically drove home the inevitability that like, there's no escape from yep. your past or your trauma it will always haunt you it will always get you in the end so this this like pure creature this wonderful little dog that yeah. represented everything to her having that taken away was sort of the that's what finally broke her yeah so i mean like i get it has plot significance i don't it know absolutely i don't know does. if I just... the execution i agree with you like it's weird that the dog just stayed in the bed the whole time that is strange Best. Yeah, no, it definitely had significance. And, and like we said, it, it really was a thing that kind of pushed her over the edge, right. you know, where she was maybe holding on a little bit before mm-hmm. that. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, I think those were, were mostly the only things. The only other question I had, and this is not a con, it's just like it stumped me. What was with those fake turkeys? The turkeys were so weird. I was yeah, like, is this was like that? an Austrian tradition? Yeah. No, but they don't have Thanksgiving there. I don't right. know. It was real weird. Because they were like hanging above first, where they were eating Thanksgiving. One, she had one as like a hat. It was very odd. I mean, I've had Thanksgiving with a lot of different people. I've never once seen anybody have these like weird fake turkeys around. So I mean, like different strokes for different folks. <laughs> but it just, yeah, it was a weird aesthetic choice. That's all I can yeah. think is it was just a weird aesthetic choice. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that. Those are really the only cons that I have for this All movie. All right. So, what do you think overall of the movie? So, I really liked it. Again, I didn't have fun while I was watching this movie. It kind of left me with this like empty hole in my stomach feeling at the end because I mean we haven't even really talked about the ending yet, which we should. But oh god, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> so grim. Oh my god. So, yeah. I didn't expect it to end quite that way. I mean, it was all sort of leading that direction, but you think maybe the dad's going to get there in time or something's going to be saved or like she's going to just kill herself or the way it ended was, yeah, surprising and punishing. But all the performances were so good. It looked amazing. The plot was interesting. Everything that happened, I thought, like plot wise, beat for beat made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like the way that that things built on themselves, um, yeah. leading to her ultimate sort of unraveling, made so much sense. I totally bought into all of that, and like ultimately, I think it's a really good movie. I mean, you know, it's not perfect, but it's really good. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all of that. I also really liked it. I would be careful in in recommending it yes. to people. I would be like, okay, let's. <laughs> it's not a for first. everybody kind of movie how do you feel about slow burn how do you feel about really mm-hmm. dark nihilistic movies like uh how is your tolerance with violence against children right <laughs> you know but for the right audience i would feel very confident recommending this because i do think there is something especially in this era of sort of art house horror the resurgence of art house horror mm-hmm I think it's going to draw comparisons to Hereditary, which is, I don't think is fair. I mean, for one thing, it was in production before Hereditary came out. So right, I don't think, The similarities yeah, are coincidences. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think it's definitely worth a watch, for sure. 
it's definitely piqued my interest and I'm curious to see what what Veronica and Severin do next. I'm excited about the period piece you described, but I do think now you kind of know what you're in for with one of their movies. Like you have right. to be like, all right, buckle in. This is going to be rough. Right. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be like brutalist, minimalist. It's going to be yeah. minimalist and bleak and brutal and emotionally draining, but also mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Is what I think you're going to get with one of their, their films. I'm sorry, Riley Keough. I'm going to watch her in all the things. She continues to impress me in everything I've seen her in. Yeah. And I was very, very impressed by her performance. Yeah. I think that was a hard role. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was a make or break role. Like, if you mm-hmm. didn't go along on her journey, this movie doesn't work. Yeah, none of it would make sense Yeah, without you buying into what was happening to her emotionally. Yeah. All right. So, wait, Sorry. before we close, okay, I read that some people have a different interpretation of the ending. Oh. What was your interpretation of the ending? That she was going to enact the ritual, right? right? Like, it yeah. was, yeah. So I guess some people think that they actually were dead, that they died because of the space heater thing. So there's that night where they turn on this like gas heater and she uh-huh. can smell the gas and they're like, no, 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 it's fine. And then when she wakes up is when really all the you know bad stuff starts happening. No. Some people think that, yeah. I mean, there's, they show you that that's not true. Right. Yeah, they show the harness. They show him give her the, co- the the hot chocolate that's clearly spiked. Right. And the daughter, like, not wanting it. Yeah, no. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I was thinking I mean, when I read I, that, I was like, oh, well, maybe I missed something. No, or... no, 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 no. I mean, like, I'm not trying to, like, crush anybody's yeah. dreams, but it, there's direct <laughs> evidence that that contradicts yeah. that. that show, like, immediately after they show the hanging thing, they show the, the harness. Mm-hmm. It's sitting there in the attic. And so, like, you, you're you meant to know. And it's very clearly, <laughs> okay, like, there's good. no ambiguity about whether or not they're dead. Because I started questioning my own memories of what happened. No, 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 no. It's I mean, very, very, very clear. Also, the way that it ends. I mean, she walking down those stairs and just the dad tries to, is trying to, like, talk her out of this sort of daze that she's in. And she shoots him in the head. Yeah. And, it, I mean, just the ending, the, the way that it ended and where the where it just cut to black. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think that's a better ending. Well, I mean, the other ending is what you show her kill the kids. Then it goes into like right. exploitation and just like yeah, unnecessarily yeah. gruesome. Whereas this communicates exactly what happens. And yeah, like, the second she puts that tape on their mouth. Yeah. Know. The impact is, would be, I think would be lessened and you'd just mm-hmm. be like, agreed. it wouldn't be haunting. It would just be like uh, gross and upsetting. Yeah. To see her totally. shoot that little kid. That little girl, she's so fucking cute, man. Like, yeah, she... it's, it's grim enough. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not necessary. Uh... Awesome. Okay, cool. So I think we picked another winner, or you picked another winner. This is another good one. I redeemed myself after that last one. What was your last one? The weird vampire one. Oh, I liked Blood and Donuts. <laughs> it was weird, but I liked it. <laughs> I don't think we've watched anything I didn't like yet. I'm trying no, to... I think all of them actually been surprisingly, like, you know, good. Rabbit was Obviously good. some even better than others. Tigers is not afraid of still, I think, the high point, though. Yeah, agreed. I do. Oh, I like Headcount, too. Yeah, yeah no, I think we've been pretty great. good so far. Well, I'm sure I'm going to mess it up with my next pick. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Just kidding. All right, well, before we get into that, for those at home who have some thoughts on the movie or want to recommend something we watch or just want to reach out, feel free to drop us a line at rachel@zombiegirls.com, or you can head over to the Zombie Girls Facebook page, interact with us there. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for something to watch tonight, well, I highly recommend that you visit zombiegirls.com and check out our VOD and streaming calendar where we have calendars that show all the stuff that is coming out on video on demand in the next few months, as well as uh, on streaming services that are in the horror and sort of horror adjacent um, genres so check that out there and i yeah that's it so i guess that just leaves what we're going to be reviewing or on the next episode yeah and it's super a curious me pick do you have any idea what i'm gonna pick no well i i had an idea but now i'm not so sure <laughs> <laughs> you probably know because it's something i've been talking about wanting to see for a while okay. which is sea fever yes <laughs> yeah so sea fever is directed by nessa hardeman And the synopsis is, the crew of a West of Ireland trawler marooned at sea struggle for their lives against a growing parasite in their water supply. 
That sounds spooky dooky. Yes, it does. So I'm into <laughs> that. I've not I, I don't know a ton about it yet, except for that brief description. And uh it's a as far as I know, I've I have not seen anything by Nisa Hardiman. This may actually be a first feature film, so I'm excited. New Yeah, me too. New woman director to to, to get excited about. Yeah, I've been I've been eyeing that on our Google Doc for a long time. So right? it's fun. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff directed mm-hmm. by women just out this year, let alone getting into the back catalog. I know, I'm excited. So far I'm having a lot of fun with this. Are you still having a good time? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's so much fun to talk about the female directors. These movies have been so interesting and good. I think it's been a great experience. Yay. Okay, cool. Well, then I say we keep going. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. All right. For those at home, watch Sea Fever, and we'll see you in two weeks. Ariel, take us out. Yeah. Thanks for watching um, episode six of the More Deadly podcast. We hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody.